We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Oh, mama! What a play! Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. This will be much more fun than last week. (laughs) Welcome into the Sooner Sports Podcast. We call our early week edition the game plan. What a day Saturday. Did it take you a little bit of time to recover after driving back on Saturday night? I think that's part of the beauty of OU Texas <laughs> is the drive home because you need that, uh, I don't know, it's probably five hours from when you set out to try to leave until you actually get home, <laughs> you know? Good point. Making it through the fair, making it through the traffic, uh, making it through Denton, um, getting some food somewhere. Uh, but you need that time. If you lost the game, to try to, you know, deal with the emotions of that. Right. And if you want it, you're just replaying everything that went through your head for five hours and trying to find every radio channel you can that's replaying highlights. <laughs> so um, <laughs> even if they say that they looked good in what was it? Uh, Bur- Burgundy. Burgundy. Yeah, Burgundy, the, yeah, one of the I think it was ESPNU radio said. Uh, if you've never been to OU Texas, it's half burnt orange, half burgundy. <laughs> burgundy. Burgundy. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, what a day. What a day. Um, I thought the the game was great. One of the best that I've seen. And uh, in some ways that's a little unfortunate because OU was out 20 zips, so it took them kind of blowing that lead to give us the drama late in that game. But they answered. They had to make some defensive stops. It was hot. Uh, it was hot. And yeah, no, I'm not complaining because I was in an air-conditioned booth. You were down on the sideline. Oh. But I felt bad for you and Teddy and all the fans and the, and the players were just spent at the end of it. 
but it was as hard-hitting, physical of a football game as I remember seeing in a while. And uh, it's great, man. I mean, that that game it's gonna never be fun for years. disappoints. It's going to be fun for years to come with these two guys. With Herman and Lincoln Riley going so. at it, I think so, and and I think that uh, you know they're going to have good football teams, but they're also going to have good press conferences, and you know they're not afraid to mix it up a little bit, and they're both young and brash, and so hopefully this is the start of a, a special era between Lincoln Riley and Tom Herman. It, it tells you just how compelling of a game that it was, and how many amazing moments that it had, that I've hardly heard any conversations about the. The little dust-up that the two teams had. I, I forgot about that. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. I was riding back with Greg Blackwood, our spotter, and I asked him, I'm like, what happened? And he's like, oh, what? wow, I would completely forgot about that. Mm-hmm. So it tells you, I mean, in any time, that was – that was pretty significant. They were they were holding back guys off the Texas bench. They were making sure Oklahoma guys right. weren't running off the sidelines so they would get tossed out of the game. Or that was intense. And yet the game was so good. That was in the first half, right? Yeah. So, so much happened after that <laughs> that I had forgotten about that. That's a good point you bring up. Oh, man. All right, let's, uh, let's get to what we learned today. I thought Lincoln Riley, as he did after the C.D. Lamb ejection, does an incredible job of handling any question about officiating. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll, I'll have to hunt real quick for the exact terminology. But that seems to be – He it, basically said they missed some holding calls. And we got but away they missed too, they yeah. missed some on us as well, and that's the way it goes. Boy, fans aren't really happy about that one, Which, are they? No, he's he's Not right for him. I'm saying he's right in that there are a lot of holding calls that go uncalled in every football game, but there were some obvious ones on Saturday. I thought that that Oklahoma didn't get the benefit of the doubt on one of them was a touchdown for uh, Texas, Ellinger's touchdown run. Yeah. So I mean, add that to the bank. We were talking about earlier this year of calls that are due Oklahoma's way. You know, I kept saying they've had a, all these targeting calls have seemed to go against them, and eventually so we're gonna eventually get everything you know evens out. So hopefully that means we're, that flurry of good calls is you know, coming Oklahoma's way. We'll see. I loved his response about the I'm glad they won. If yeah. they hadn't won, oh my that gosh. would be a, a much bigger story than than it is. I loved his his take too on the injury question, which is usually the first question every week. But he said, "Yeah, it's pretty boring." You know, Jeff Bidette didn't seem to be too serious. Doesn't see, doesn't seem to be anything that's going to uh, involve multiple weeks. Right. So that was really Baker's shoulder was the only other question, and he even said, "Yeah, I had a I had a large man fall on me." So and Khalil Hotton left the game in the second. Khalil half. Khalil did. Yes, we forgot to ask about, and he had a pretty good game. I think he yeah. ended up with six tackles. He was and playing well. in the fourth. Yeah. Um, it sounds well. I'm you know I'm gonna guess that Abdul Adams is still another week. Uh, because of the position he plays, it's an ankle, and even if you're you know you're able to walk around on it, he's going to have to be able to run full speed and cut and all that kind of stuff. And I, it's hard for me to imagine him being a hundred percent by Saturday, mm-hmm. and it's hard for me to imagine them playing him if he's not a hundred percent when they've got three other backs that are a hundred percent. So. If I'm, I could be wrong, but I'm going to guess Abdul Adams misses the Kansas State game too. I don't know about Bidet. He's a similar situation. It's a lower leg injury, and part of what or what makes him special is his speed. 
So if he can't be 100%, then maybe they give him another week to rest as well. But relatively speaking, healthy compared to the last few weeks when we're worried about the best wide receiver and Stephen Parker and some of these other guys, you know who I'd really like to see get back is Matt Romar. That's a couple of games in a row now. Romar's been out, and I think that D-line is doing great. But, man, a little more depth up front would really make them imposing, uh, I think. And, and especially if they're going to play some more of this four-man front, that we started to see more and more of against Texas. And I think he will as well against Kansas State. I think that really fits Romar, what he does well. I don't know, for those that watched on TV, how many times you saw it on the sidelines. And um, I'm pretty sure everyone was just gasping for air every chance we had inside the stadium. But the biggest cheerleader on the Sooner sideline was Matt Romar. Uh, so, I, I mean, you can take some. Somehow, the, I still will never understand anyone in that set. Calvin Thibodeau, Matt Romar, that could wear a jacket in that setting or long <laughs> sleeves in that setting. Y'all crazy. But uh, Romar was a guy that whenever big play was made, he was out there with the towel. He was jumping up and down. So, I mean, anything that appears to be affecting him right now, you can sense that still want to be out there. So I think that was something that I took away as far as a guy that's been out for a little back. bit. Yeah, yeah, that could be back. Because you're right. And I thought we saw, you know, everyone's talking about Oboe, and understandably so. I had put the uh, pro football focus, and you can you can take pro football focus numbers as, oh, it's analytics. It's, it's a little bit too in-depth for however too much as you want. But they had him as 11 total quarterback pressures on 57 total dropback attempts, which is – Pretty much incredible, and uh, four total stops. A stop uh, constitutes a win for the defense, according to these PFF numbers in the twenty nine twenty four win. Named Big Twelve Defensive Player of the Week. So all this talk, it's deserved. I thought a couple of those other guys really stepped up on the defensive line. Kenneth Mann played well. Yep. I thought uh, Amani Bledsoe had somewhat of a breakout game. Mm-hmm. It seemed as if they were forcing Sam Ellinger out of the pocket. All DJ Ward. Had a big sack. It just seemed like a Devontae Lamp guy. I can't even stop. There's so many guys that seem to be in making plays. Yeah, they had a good day up front. Oboe is the instigator. And, I, you know, my argument with those numbers you just gave would be there were a lot of several plays on Saturday. Oboe wasn't even in the game <laughs> because he was so gassed that Mark Jackson was out there. He missed one full series. Yeah, you're right. And, and in addition to that, there were several plays in which Oboe got double teamed either with a tackle and a guard or with a running back or a tight end or whatever. And then he would take he would force guys out of the way so that Kenneth Mann could have a hole or a linebacker could come through. And Oboe doesn't get credit for a pressure on that, but it's because of his presence that Oklahoma does get team pressure. Um, but all of them, it was an encouraging day. I, I You know, Texas offensive line has struggled this year, so we need to keep that in mind. Um, and they're going to face quarterbacks who aren't as mobile as Ellinger on down the line. Some that are, but most that aren't. So that when you get the kind of pressure on him that OU did on Saturday, future quarterbacks, it's going to result in more sacks or more hurried throws, whereas Ellinger was able many times to get away and scramble and, and make some yards. That's really the only rushing offense that Texas had on Saturday was was Ellinger. So, but... I think the four-man front was a big success against what they faced, and I think that the defense as a whole was much better, and there's reason for confidence and reason for encouragement. That being said, 
<laughs> Texas didn't throw the ball. Ellinger's not a great passer. Right. And I think the days are still coming that are really going to tell us about this defense. You know, the the gauntlet of Texas Tech, TCU, Oklahoma State, and West Virginia is still ahead. And that's Shimanek and Mason Rudolph and Will Greer and who did I leave out there? Kenny Hill. Kenny Hill, who can really wing it. And that's been the bugaboo for this defense this year is the ability to stop the pass. And they did a good job on Saturday of that. They did a good job. But they're going to face defenses or offenses that are more prolific throwing it. And that's what I really want to see. That's when you're going to know if they face Texas Tech or Oklahoma State and they can limit them. Because I think this is a really good run defense. Nobody's been able to run. Even Ohio State had a hard time getting yards on the ground against Oklahoma. Texas backs had 14 carries for 17 yards on Saturday. If you can, if they can prove that the secondary's got it figured out, then Oklahoma is a college football playoff contender because we know that offense is good. Great question. Don't have an answer right now, do we? we I, I will say this. I don't this. think it's coming this week. No, not I don't against think. Kansas State. And you know, no, no disrespect to K State, they may win the game, but it's probably not going to be through the air. If Kansas State wins the game, they found something running the football, mm-hmm. uh, probably. But I don't think it's from a lack by any stretch of the imagination of confidence with Jordan Thomas. And I know he's become the target for so many fans. A guy we talked about last week, but I. I've always enjoyed talking to Jordan Thomas. Sometimes he'll give you a little grief before you you get him on. But he was, even during the game, and Texas got a couple of big plays through the air. They got the the complete total bust on the your side, the near side, the Texas side of the field on the play with Parnell Motley. And I think Ted even said the safety's got to get over there. But Jordan Thomas, Toby, there was not, and Everyone talks, oh, confidence. There was not a lack of confidence from this dude at all on Saturday. So I take all these little baby steps, and maybe I put too much into them. Uh, but I, I saw a guy who, if anyone wants to try to criticize him, it better not be for lack of confidence because he still has a very solid belief in what he's doing out no there. No chance Jordan Thomas <laughs> is lacking in confidence. <laughs> I mean, listen, if you are in the center, or you're the focus of the grumbling <laughs> and you go dye your hair <laughs> so that everybody knows exactly where you are in pregame warmups you've got confidence jordan thomas has confidence uh sometimes that's a bugaboo for a a cornerback yeah. or a defensive back is is that we saw zach sanchez from time to time gamble a little bit on a pick and he would give up a play so, uh, but yeah, it's not going to be a lack of confidence with JT, that's for sure. You know what I had to laugh about? Uh, and I'm glad they did it. Austin Seibert came into the post game and did all the interviews. And I always get a kick, uh, pardon the pun, because he, nice. he, he was huge. He was huge in that game with his punts and, yeah. and his field goals. But it's always kind of interesting because you ask him a question and he answers it with the mindset of, well, yeah, I mean, I, I kicked the ball. You know, there's... <laughs> When you go to strategy or anything like that, he goes, you know, I, I practiced, I warmed up, and I just uh, – mm-hmm. And I made him. I made him. <laughs> so yeah. I'm sitting here, and as soon as I got done with him, I kind of laughed a little bit, and we joked about how little space he has on the sidelines when he's warming up. You know, if you ever watch on the sidelines when a kicker's trying to warm up, there's usually about 12,000 people that act like he's in their way mm-hmm. whenever he's trying to warm up. But it's so funny to see how – in these monstrous moments where you need three or you need a big punt, here's a guy that's just in his mind. It's like, you know, the strategy talk. I just 
I, mean, I just got to kick the ball. You know, it's kind of it's kind of like a, a shooting a jumper, right? <laughs> yep. Like if 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 they pass you the ball and you pull up for a seventeen footer, and you miss it, and they say afterwards they ask you why'd you miss it? <laughs> I don't know. I just missed it. I mean, I tried to make it. Yeah. I just missed it. And the next time you make it. And they go, oh, tell me about how you made it. I don't know. I just made it. I mean, I just <laughs> exactly how I, I shot the ball and I made it. And I practice all the time. And sometimes I make it. And sometimes I miss it. So, um, you know, his I, I'm really happy for Austin Seibert that he had a day like Saturday. Because he, he, like Jordan Thomas, has been talked about a lot the last few weeks. And last year he struggled. Wasn't terrible. He was eleven for sixteen, right? Which is not great, but it's not terrible. But he missed a couple of big ones last year, and he had the kick six returned against him, and all that kind of stuff. So, and he got off to a slow start this year. So, for him to have a day where it wasn't just field goal kicking, his two huge punts, monstrous punts, and a, and his kickoffs all year have been, uh, he's like at ninety percent touchbacks, and he had a touchdown saving tackle perhaps on Saturday. For him to have a day like that, I'm really. I'm really happy for him, and I hope that it is, uh, you know, the start of a good run for him. I'd like to see him become a weapon for this team, not a liability. Not when you get to the 30-yard line. Well, crap, we got to go for go it on fourth down yeah. because we don't have a kicker who can make it. I hope he can become a weapon for this team. You can't help but laugh too, because essentially in the two in the two key moments in two of Oklahoma's biggest wins are the two key drives, uh, Ohio State's first drive of the third quarter, then the Tech touchdown drive. They both started with kicks that didn't make the end zone yeah. and were returned. So I, that's still something. we got Jay Bolware on Coach's Corner. I can't wait to talk to him about yeah. that this week. Here's the question I would ask him. Okay. When you've got a kicker that 90% of the time puts it through the end zone, i got to think that's got to take some of the starch out of your kickoff coverage unit. You know, I mean, it shouldn't. But I bet it does. If nine out of ten times you run down the field for nothing, you know what I mean? Yeah. Then maybe you're not – the because there's only twice, I think, this year. Well, let's see. He's had, he's had one onside kick try. Right. And he's had seven total that weren't – kickoffs that weren't touchbacks. So he's had six, if you subtract the uh, onside kick. He's had six kickoffs this year that were turned. Out of forty some, right, and that's got to take a little zip out of the guys covering. Which I wonder if that leads toward a couple of big returns. I was trying to look this stat up while you were talking, and I, and I never know if I'm looking at the uh, the actual. Yeah, here it is. We're twelfth in the country in kick return yard defense, or however you. This is phrased as kick return yardage defense. We're number twelve in the country. So uh, that's – oh, wait, hold on. That's going back a little bit. I was going to say that seemed like a little bit high. But we're in, a, we're in the top 15 in kick return yards overall. So, in other words, that's a great question. Do you lose a little bit whenever you have so much, so much that you put out whenever you're racing down the field, so much energy that you're putting into it? Do well, he's not just something? he's not just putting it like a yard into the end zone. He's, booting he's kicking it out of the back of the end zone time and time and time again. And I can just imagine I'm one of those guys on the wing – and I start sprinting down there, and I look up, and it's coming down at the two. And you're like, whoa, wait, Austin didn't put it through the end zone. I'm going to have to cover this kick. I wonder <laughs> if that leads to maybe, you know, like you said, a couple of times it's almost gotten out on him. 
Yeah. Uh, here's one other thing, too, because we, we've talked about guys that get criticized. Talked Jordan Thomas, and we talked about Austin Seibert. How about some guys that deserve some praise? Uh, well, everyone deserves praise because it's a win, but some guys have been getting praise all year long that continue to step up. What more can we say about Baker Mayfield? Uh, yes, he had, a, he had the turnover. Yes, he probably had a second ball that should have been intercepted, but he's taking some shots. He's, again, doing Baker Mayfield things and keeping plays alive. I mean, just, again, he shines on that big stage. This was a big game personally for Baker because now he has eternal bragging rights <laughs> in Austin. You know, he's got he, he lives down there. He's got family down there. His family lives down there, I should say. And you got the whole Lake Travis, Westlake thing that was going on with Sam Ellinger on Saturday. Right. And uh, so he won his last two uh, Red River showdowns against Texas. And for as long as Baker Mayfield lives, he's going to have that. Uh, and as long as his family lives around the Austin area, they can wave the OU flag with pride. Um, I, I hated to see him get that first interception, but I wonder if it doesn't take the chains off of him a little bit because I think psychologically, you know, maybe he, he you keep hearing every week, 12 touchdowns, no picks, 15 touchdowns, no right. picks, 18 touchdowns, no picks, that you try so hard to keep that zero in the interception category that maybe you pass on some opportunities that, that in the past Baker would have let rip on. I wonder now if that changes to where he's like, ah, I've thrown an interception. Now I can just go play ball and not worry about that anymore. I hope so. Uh, but he was great. He he made the play you had to make in the in the fourth quarter to uh, win that game. Can I correct a mistake I made? And this is going to blow your mind. We are, we, Oklahoma, are number two in the country with the most touchbacks. Number one is Auburn. 42 touchba- uh, touchbacks this year. Oklahoma, 38 touchdown uh, touchbacks. Mm-hmm. We are 127th in the country in average yards per return, 31.6. That well, might link. So I was wrong. I was looking at right, the wrong that's stats. because they've only had six returns, <laughs> and two of them were almost touchdowns. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so, yeah, that's. That, I think that's the question there with Jay Bolware is, how hard is it to convince your kick coverage team, your kickoff coverage team, <laughs> That Austin Seibert may not kick a touchback. <laughs> you got to go. You got to be a position. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's only five kick returns. Five? Okay. Yeah, five kick returns this year. Yeah, that's right. Because because uh, onside kick. There was, was the it? onside kick. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. But I anyway, my point is, I, I think Foul kicked one. I think there was one game early where Foul came in and kicked it yeah, short. That's right. So anyway, crazy crazy stats that we found out just while researching during the podcast. All right, two two quick final things. We'll let you go. Uh, you and I kind of joked about this on our crossover this morning because I love the Cotton Bowl. You love the Cotton Bowl. There's no need to look anywhere else for this game, is there? No. No. <laughs> I like how you get mad. No, I just don't know what the po- – like, that's like – This is a Teddy Lehman thing right here, I think. I, I'm trying to th- think of the equivalent of how ridiculous that is. Um, I mean, what's that's that's like saying – Fletcher's corn dogs. We don't really need those anymore, do we? <laughs> Let's go get something. That I mean, we can we've had them. Away. We've had them for a while now. What do you think about we just go with beanie weenies for the? I mean, why would anyone who has actually been to this game, the atmosphere was there in the fourth quarter on Saturday, want this game to be played anywhere else? Now, like I told you this morning, the one thing I do understand is from an economic standpoint, if it was a home-and-home, 
that every other year this would be a big thing for Norman businesses. Very true. To have Texas Correct. come to town. Financially, it would be a boon. And so I get that. I understand that. that I have sympathy toward that. And if that ever happens someday, that will be great for them. But the idea of moving it to Jerry World or even uh, considering the idea of not playing it where it is is unfathomable to me. Crazy. Because there may be better rivalries in sports. I don't know. I've never been a part of Ohio State, Michigan, or Auburn, Alabama, or Yankees, Red Sox, or Celtics, Lakers. But there is no better single game in all of sports than the second Saturday in October in the Cotton Bowl. Nothing like it. There is nothing like it in all of sports. And why would you give it up? Makes no sense. Come on, Ted, get on board with this. What was your reaction like to the scene setter? Because whenever you came on with this Thursday, well, Friday's podcast, and I I hadn't even heard it. I didn't know that was the angle you were going. You didn't even really let us in on it too terribly much, but – it's it's probably an all timer for me, and if you've missed it, oh, I get it's it's on SoonerSports.tv. It's free. Uh, SoonerSports.com. You had a young a young lad, one Bronx Perry, basically tell the story of what he feels going to his first OU game. Kind of the, hey, my dad has told me this. My grandpa, t- I'm going to my first OU game. Yeah. What was the feedback like? How much do you, like how long do you want me to short version or long version? Long version, man. Okay. Take take me through because you don't have to be anywhere for what thirty minutes. I got a couple errands to run. But okay, I'm okay. Good. Well, uh, whatever you got, man. Um, so I had this idea about a week and a half before the Texas game. It was before the Iowa State game. Um, just trying to think of something to come up with for Texas, and I had this idea of maybe a, a little kid talking about going to his first. OU Texas game. And I texted TJ Perry, who is my radio partner, who has a seven-year-old son named Bronx. And I have a daughter who's nine, Chloe, who's going to her first game. But I thought it she sounded a little older than what I was looking for. And I thought it might be cute to have a little boy's voice. So I texted TJ and said, "What? What? Do you, here's my idea. Do you think Bronx could pull this off? Or, well, first off, I don't even know if, as a dad, you want him to do it. Right. But if you do, do you think he could he could do it? I'll send you the script, and he could do it. And he said, yeah, I think he could do it. He's read a couple of commercials for him and things. So uh, Monday, I Sunday, I think I wrote the script, and I sent it to TJ on Monday. And uh, as soon as I did, I was filled with fear <laughs> because it didn't really dawn on me until I pushed send and sent it to him that, uh, you know, maybe Bronx couldn't do it. You know, and it wouldn't be really what I was looking for. And if that's the case, either we're going to have a scene setter that wasn't quite what I was hoping for, or I'm going to have to break this little kid's heart and tell him, "Hey, thanks for trying, but we're not going <laughs> to oh, we're not going to do it." And Tuesday, uh, TJ sent it back to me, and I the first phrase that I heard him say just almost drops you to your knees. It's so cute. And I thought, oh, thank God. <laughs> and he absolutely nailed it. Yeah, he great. absolutely nailed it. And, uh, you know, the same kudos go out that always do Eric Guthrie at Learfield for his, for the music and Theron Smith, who I think did one of his best jobs ever with the video this week. 
really made it sing. And the reaction that we've had has been uh, fantastic. I'm happy for Bronx that they won the game because now uh, he's kind of he's got a cool little piece of Oklahoma history now. He's the scene setter kid. Everybody knows him as the scene setter kid now. And the reaction he's gotten since Saturday has been a lot of fun. And I think it, I think a lot of people were moved to recollect on their first OU Texas memory because of it which made for some great conversation on Saturday and lingers into this week a little bit. But um, it'll be one of my favorites forever. And I I didn't do hardly anything on this one. <laughs> it was because Bronx Perry hit a grand slam, and that little kid uh, uh, is a superstar. Do you remember your – what was your first OU Texas? I was in college. Um I went in college with my roommate, Paul Johnson, and we sat in the south end zone before they built the second deck on the south end zone. I remember uh, we sat on the back railing. Like, our seats were on the top row, and we just got out of our seats and sat up on the railing. And um, Gerald Moore had a big big day. But I think they lost, if I remember right, at the very end. I think they lost. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and Chloe, my daughter, uh, as I mentioned, went to her first game on Saturday and just came back flabbergasted. I mean, she's, really? she just couldn't believe that something like that exists, oh, which awesome. is why, you know, I can't either. I can't believe that something like that exists. And kudos to whoever way back when decided this was a good idea because you're a genius. <laughs> that game is, is uh, unlike any other. You know what's funny is my first game wasn't until 2002. That was my first OU. And a funny story about it is because I was in the media, I didn't realize because I hadn't really, you know, O two, 2 I had really just kind of started mm-hmm. being the, the quote-unquote boss. I didn't understand credential pickup wasn't at the fair. Uh-oh. <laughs> so I came to the – I don't know. Looking back now, I don't know how I got in the gates. <laughs> I, I, I happened to run into somebody that uh-huh. worked in the sports information office. I was like, hey, where's credential pickup? Like, we don't do credential pickup here. I'm like, well, how am I supposed to get my pass? It's like, you want to know something crazy? I'm like, yeah. He's like, I actually have three passes right here, and one of them's yours. Holy cow. So I just got lucky. And I'll never forget, I went down on the field. Uh, Teddy had an interception in that game. Yeah. Uh, Quentin Griffin went off in that game. It was one of the greatest experiences I've ever had. And I don't I don't know how I got in the, the gate. Because now getting in the gate – you better have your stub ready. You better be ready to go, man, because yeah. they got it going on. But all right, so we went really long today, but I think it's understandable. Uh, you like the primetime start for Texas Tech? Yeah, sure. Dig yeah, it. I think that's great. That'll so. be fun. Um, yeah, we have a primetime home game, and you're going to have two high-powered offenses and Kingsbury and Lincoln Riley. Good for good for Norman. Doesn't get any better than that. Thanks, Toby. Thank you. All right, buddy. Lincoln Riley coming up right now with the press conference. Last snap of OU Texas one twelve. Ellinger back. Steps up in the pocket, being chased, dumps it out to Warren. Caught at the 45-yard line. He throws it behind him. Ball around on the ground, picked up, thrown back. Ellinger's got it again. He throws it, lateraled off to the 35-yard line. Coming near side, little Jordan Humphrey, and he's down. And you can unhitch the wagon. Put the ponies in the board. It took to the final second and beyond. But Oklahoma has defeated Texas in the 112th edition of the Red River Showdown. Final score, Sooners 29, 
and Longhorns 24. It was a great win. That win's always hard, and it certainly showed up on tape. Uh, again, very, very proud of the, the effort that this team put forth, uh, the fight in this team. Had a lot of guys step up and play very, very well. Um, that carried over a lot of things that we, we really pushed in the week of practice and took it to the game field. So proud of the win. Know that there's a lot of things that, that we you know need to do better and, and will do better going forward. But it's certainly a big step for us. Uh, and then certainly excited about getting a chance to go to Manhattan this week. It's uh, you know always been one of my favorite road venues to go play at in the Big 12. Uh, always, you know, you know what you're going to get from Kansas State every time you step on the field against those guys. A, a very well coached and physical football team. They challenge you on special teams. Uh, always have great return game. You know, that's something that's going to be very big for us in an area that that we haven't been good enough yet um, as far as, you know, defending the return game with our kickoff team especially. We've got to do a better job um, and, and not fall asleep when, when occasionally Austin doesn't kick one out the back of the end zone. Um, you know, offensively, they really, they're very, very multiple. Um, a lot of different run game that they present. They do a really nice job of, of scheming you up. Uh, so uh, you've got to be ready for it. You've got to understand their schemes are very, very good. They've got a, a dangerous player that they're playing at quarterback right now um, that can really run the football along with a couple of explosive wideouts. And then uh, the fullback demo is a guy that really stands out, you know, kind of a do it do everything type guy. Uh, uh, use him in a lot of the same ways that we use Dimitri Flowers and probably is as equally valuable a guy to them as Dimitri is to us. Uh, you know, defensively, lost a couple of guys from last year that declared early that were really good players and certainly the, the Willis kid last year that was the, the Big 12 player of the year. But it hadn't slowed them down much. You know, they're still doing a great job stopping the run like they always do. I've always thought they're one of the more challenging teams in this league year in and year out to, to try to run the football against, and they're certainly doing the same. I think they're really strong on the back end. You know, the, their two corners are, I think, as good of a pair of corners as we'll see uh, in this league. Uh, you know, DJ Reed especially stands out. I thought he did last year as well. He's playing very well for them. And then Reggie Walker, the DN, you know, he. <sighs> Played well against us last year, a young, explosive guy that, that's given a lot of people fits. So um, we understand the challenge we're up against. Kansas State's a really, really good football team. Um, and, and obviously know that Coach Snyder, like he does each and every week, will have those guys ready to play. So we'll be looking forward to getting up there. Everybody's talking about officiating and maybe some missed holding calls. You watch film now, true or not true? Oh, was there some missed ones? Yes. Uh, they also miss some on our guys too, you know. So that's that's part of how it goes. I mean, so sometimes you end up on the short end of the stick on that. Sometimes you don't. I can sit here and complain about it all I want, but you know, we we've got to respond to it. And my biggest deal is, uh, you know, we've got to continue to adapt to how these guys are calling the game, and we've got to continue to educate ourselves and our players. Um, we had a couple of tough ones that went against us the other day, but. That, that's part of college football, and we can sit and complain about it or we can fight on, and I thought our guys did a good job of fighting on, and, and I'm not going to sit here and dwell on it. Lincoln, 14-0, um, 14 nothing, 14 nothing, and 20 to nothing. What can you teach these guys, or can you teach them during the season about holding on to a lead, about finishing teams, killer instinct, whatever the characteristics are? Yeah, I, it's something we've looked at. I mean, I sometimes it's, you know what, the game – there's, there's runs within games, and, and we've been able to get on ours early and other teams have late. Certainly, we, we want to be able to extend those leads and, and to be able to deliver a knockout blow if, if we can, and I think we're going to be able to. 
Uh, I think there's a few things that we feel like we can do better on all three sides of the ball that we're going to push on a little bit this week if we do get in that situation again. But, you know, the flip side of it, too, is those other teams that we play are good teams, too, you know, and they're going to make some runs. And I've, I'm, as long as we can respond the right way, regardless of what happens, I think, I think we'll be in good position. We, we just simply – I don't know if it's something in our mentality, especially this week. I, don't, I didn't really ever feel like our mentality changed much during the game. We just simply – you know, we gave Texas some momentum with allowing the the big kickoff return, and then and then we had two two uh, personal foul penalties right after that 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 really changed the momentum of that ball game, along with not converting a fourth down. So we just simply didn't play as well there for a period of time on 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 really all three sides of the ball. So you know, we've got to maintain that. We've got to become more consistent, and that's something that grows throughout the year. When it does happen uh, three times in a row, three games in a row, yeah. do you are you tempted? as a young coach to start to dabble in the psychology of, of such a phenomenon? Yeah, we've, we've talked about it. Cause I do think, I do think there is a little bit like, and I know I felt it more against Iowa state, but a little bit of a disappointment when we don't get it done. And so uh, I didn't feel like we had the disappointment the other day. Again, we kept fighting. We didn't, we didn't play our best, not, not by any stretch, uh, uh, but we, our mentality was a lot better. So if we can get the mentality right, which I think we made some strides on, and get the execution along with it, then that's when you start to knock people out. You lost Ben Powers early in that game. So how did that? It was no, we didn't game. lose him early. Oh, oh is it, so no, we were. Yeah, we put we put. Uh, so Drew you just put the coach's decision. Okay. That's right. So how did they hold up? And you know, and, and you considered that you got the big play late in the game. Did they actually hold up pretty well with the heat and everything? Yeah, no, I thought our guys, our guys physically were fine. Uh, you know, it was, you know, there were some guys, especially defensively, that were worn out. You know, was, you know, Oboe, some of those guys played a lot of snaps. You know, and and you know, there was a lot of kind of drawn out plays on their side. You know, you know, with the quarterback scrambling around and plays that you know guys are just you know expending a lot of energy on. So. But no, I thought we held up well up front. Uh, it was a challenge. They're talented. They do a good job scheme-wise. It was a good battle. Uh, but you know, I thought we protected pretty well. We had a couple of a couple of misprotections. One that was on on me as a coach, and and one that we missed as a back. But for the most part, we protected up Baker. I thought pretty well. Um, and there was a couple a couple of things run wise that were really good that we felt like we should have gotten more out of. And a couple times that they had a better call than we did. And and you've got to hang in there and try to grind out a couple. Uh, but I thought our guys played well. Bobby Evans again played really well. He was uh, uh, our top O lineman uh, from the game. Coach, Coach, what impresses you most about the fact that Bill Snyder is still doing this at 78 years old? I'm not going to be doing it at 78. I can tell you that much. Uh, it's amazing. It, it's just I, I can't even comprehend it, honestly. And honestly, even now, being in this role, I, I probably even appreciate it more, you know, what, what he's done and how he's, you know, it's, it's, you know, as everybody said, one of the greatest coaching jobs in history, any sport, anywhere. I mean, it's his longevity, the consistency, uh, the way those guys have played for so long. Um, and then he does it with just new players year in and year out. It's, it's remarkable. I mean, it's just, it's remarkable. Lincoln, yeah. I'm sorry. Um, how, how did you feel? Well, I guess first, last week, how much did you know about kind of the things that the defensive staff were working on? And how did you feel about, you know, the way things worked out, changes in personnel, um, things like that. It just seemed like it was, there was a lot of different moving parts of the defense Saturday. Yeah, no, we, no of course I was aware and, uh, and, and excited about it. And I think it was something we all felt that 
you know, was going to be a positive thing for us. And, and we're, you know, you're continuing to learn about, you know, what you have defensively, you know, where your best, who your best players are, getting your best players on the field and putting them in the best position to succeed. And then also having answers against the different ways that people are going to attack you. And in this league, you get attacked a little bit different than, than you do other leagues. And that's just part of it. And so, uh, yeah, I thought we had a, I thought I, the plan was great, but the, but the biggest thing was the mentality of the defense was great and we tackled so much better. We we still missed a few, and and they and the few we missed did hurt us, but our, our tackling and the mentality uh, of the group was what again. We can play so much better defensively. We still made a lot of mistakes like we did on the other two sides of the ball that we're we're going to have to grow. But if we can tackle and have the mentality like we did the other day, we're always going to have a chance. Oboe's playing at such a high level. Was named the defensive player. Uh, we realize he's a premier pass rusher, but he's becoming a much more than that, isn't he? Oh yeah, no, he's 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 tough to deal with. You know, he's he's so twitchy, but then also so strong too. You know, and that's a tough combination to block. You just you never you feel like it's always a moving target, and if you don't catch him just right, you know, he can just blow up plays within the run game too. So he's he's been dominant really on both sides, and and just has become a more complete player over here over the last few years, and it's showing now. What's your injury what kind situation? of game that he had? How much injuries? Uh, honestly, pretty boring. About like last week, uh, what you come to expect here. Um, I don't. We didn't lose anybody for the season. We didn't lose anybody that I think is going to be a, a multiple game deal. Could we have a few of the guys that went out of the game miss this game this week? Yes, uh, but I think. I'm not to the point where I would rule anybody out at this point. Uh, he's getting better. He's close. You know, we're going to have to see with that with that ankle just how it responds this week. He's we're going to try to get him out on the field and run him a little bit. But you know, as a back, that's a little bit different. You know, it's a little different than if you were an offensive lineman or, or something else. So it's he's you know part of it's the safety and then you know and him being healthy enough to play and then part of it's going to be is he healthy enough to perform at a high level where it warrants taking. A Trey Sherman or Rodney Anderson out of the game. When can you talk about Obo? How much did that game not only set the tone for the game with the way you played, but how much can that set the tone for the rest of the season for that defense? Well, it was a, it was a, you know, it's an important game for our defense. They, they, they were, you know, really wanted, they were really motivated to play very well in that game. You know, obviously weren't happy with how we'd played the week before, and so it was a great response. And I think. You know, just the, the staff, the players, everybody, they did a great job. They made the adjustments that we needed to make. We got the right players on the field in the right positions. The kids made plays, even doing a lot of things that we haven't done before. So I think, you know, we're going to continue to grow with that. What about the job Cyber did for you in all three phases? I mean, that was, you want to find an MVP of the game, there he is right there. So you guys have been asking me why I keep believing in him. There you go right there. Lincoln, with personal fouls being an issue over the past couple of weeks and momentum killers, how do you address that? Well, it's been two different kinds. You know, two weeks ago it was, you know, after the whistle, you know, unnecessary stuff that really hurt us. Uh, our, our personal fouls this last week were, were aggressive penalties. Um, you know, we got up on the quarterback once. Uh, uh, Ellinger should have won an Academy Award for the one he got late, and he did a great job. I was, uh, as a quarterback coach, I was a little jealous of it. Um, uh, and we had a couple, you know, uh, EB had a horse collar, you know, that was their calling a little bit different this year, which was absolutely the right call that we got to do a little bit better job with. Um, 
you know, probably the one I was most disappointed with Sylvie's on the sideline, and he's been playing really well for us, but that was the one that was kind of late and uncalled for. So, yeah, we, we've got to do a better job. I mean, it, the, the penalty switched the momentum of that game. There's no question. So it's, it's been a point of emphasis already with these guys, and it's going to be even more this week. We, we were better after the whistle, but even within the whistle and playing as aggressive and hard as we did, we've got to, we've got to be smart too. Lincoln, two years ago, you guys go to K-State, and it was, you come off the Texas loss two years ago. You guys probably remember that for the flight delay yeah. and all that came with that. Yeah. But you win 55-0. I don't know if style points, I don't know if I believe in style points, but it seemed like a statement game that may have been important, as important internally for you guys as anything yeah. to win that way. Yeah. What, was the, what was the aftermath of that in, in your mind, winning the way you guys did two years ago? Yeah, that, that, that team... That was kind of the turning point for that team. You know, we, I think we just got beat by Texas the week before, if I remember right. And, uh, yeah, and then, then it was kind of like, what else could go wrong? Yeah, we sit in the FBO for however, a long, long time, um, eat fried food for the pregame meal because that's all we had there. I mean, it was kind of a – but it kind of became a bonding experience and kind of a – kind of became an us-against-the-world mentality just from all that. And then we went and played so well, got on a run, and uh, – I think the team really got their confidence from that. They really did. They, that was the first taste that whole season to me where we really played well on all three sides of the ball together, and you saw how good we could be when we did that. And I think that gave our team a taste of it and a, a big shot of confidence for the rest of that season. Lincoln, you mentioned Rodney Anderson. Uh, he's a guy we hadn't seen a whole lot of production of until Saturday. He got a little bit more of a chance with that dual hurt. Is he getting more and more comfortable? Is it just finally getting some chances? or? A little, little bit of both. Uh, he's, he's practiced pretty well here the last several weeks. We thought he's really started to turn the corner and really get settled in. You know, within the games, it's either he hadn't had a ton of opportunities yet or sometimes he's been in there when it was a bad call or we just didn't block it up just right, and he's just kind of had to take what was there. But he got some opportunities. We fit up a few things pretty good for him the other day, and he made some great runs. And so he's, you know, I said the other day, even though he's – been here a long time. He haven't he hasn't played much ball yet, you know, and he's still in a lot of ways like a freshman, you know, and so he's he's growing, he's getting better, but it was fun. I think fun for him and and I think a big confidence boost for him to be able to make the plays that he did in that game, which we all know he's capable of. Marcelli has fallen out of that rotation a little bit. I noticed he didn't get any carries. Yeah, it it's a little bit just game plan wise, you know, kind of week to week. I wouldn't say he's fallen out. I think he's absolutely still a part of it and uh, you know, and but it's been a little bit of a moving target, like I said, with injuries, with game plans, playing different people. So it, that was a, a little bit more of our decision as far as game plan than anything performance-based. Lincoln, you mentioned the atmosphere down there was electric. How important is that for you guys, like in recruiting, just so you get a kid? I, I don't know if I'm going to Texas or OU, but I know I want to be part of that. How much? How important is that for you guys going forward? That's good. I mean, I, you know, it's not only the people that are in attendance, but, you know, millions of people watching all over the country. You know, it's, it's, they see it's the best rivalry game in, in, in college sports, in my opinion. And uh, year in and year out, it's, there's just absolutely nothing like it. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, if we can get it down to us in Texas, it's 50 50, so that's a pretty good chance, you know. And, and uh, yeah, I think. I don't. I don't know. It, was it better than it's been in years past? I, I don't. I mean, I, I don't know that I would say that. I think it's always been good and always will be good. But it's, 
it's a special thing for guys to be able to play in. I mean, you could play in bowl games or big home games or big road games, but there's very few places that you can go and play in something like that each and every year. And it's it's just it's it's kind of in a class of its own. Lincoln, half through, half through the season, uh, Trey Sherman and CD really been key components of this offense. Is are they exceeding expectations or just really advanced for their age? They're a little different, you know. Trey is. Trey's very mature, um, you know, very steady. You know, he runs very physical. Trey's kind of an old soul in a lot of ways. Um, he kind of feels like he's been here forever. He kind of he kind of feels like a, a junior or senior in a lot of ways. Kind of the way he carries himself, the way he plays. He's gonna he's gonna continue to get a lot better physically, like he has in just the short time that he's been here. And, and his ceiling's pretty high. You know, CD is is probably for his age and for his position right now, the talent's probably a little bit, a little bit higher. Um, his, you know, the maturity and consistency that Trey has is something that CD's got to strive for. You know, he's still, he still made some plays for us the other day, but he, he needs to play a lot better. And uh, part of it was he missed a lot of practice. And when young guys miss some practice, sometimes that shows up. So you could argue and, and you know, we very well maybe should not have played him as much as we did, uh, but they're both, for, for freshmen, they're both outstanding. There's no doubt. And they both, if they stay healthy and, and stay humble, continue to work hard, those guys got the chance to be two really great players down the line. How do you see Mark Andrews' skill set transferring eventually to the NFL? Well, that's, you know, it's, he's got a good skill set for it. There's no doubt. Um, and I think as he continues to develop, you know, we used him quite a bit the other day as an inline blocker, and 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 I think he's a, as he continues to develop those different skills, it's going to be even better. Um, you know, it'll depend. You know, when that time comes for him, you know, what system you get in and how they use you and all that. But the, you know, tight ends right now are a big deal, and creating those different matchups are both in our game and there. So he, he's been good for us, and I'm sure whenever uh, he makes that move, he'll do a good job there. What do the NFL people say about Baker? Oh, I mean, they like him, you know, they like him. I mean, it's hard not to like, you know, you're going to have to eventually at some point you're going to have to get somebody that's, you know, not afraid of taking a quarterback that's not 6'3", which I think if you look kind of here in the recent history, the NFL's becoming a little bit less scared of that finally, um, you know, and just kind of seeing the quality of player that he is. But, you know, that's such a, that's such a fit league, you know, kind of like I said about Mark, it's all about, ending up with the right staff, the right kind of system, people that are invested in you, something that fits you. So I know this, if he ends up in the right place, he's going to make somebody a hell of a player just like he has us right here. What about this? What do NFL teams ask about ba- about Baker? Oh, I don't know if I want to delve too much into that. I mean, it's they ask the normal things they ask about everybody. You know, they ask about – a lot of it's the things that they can't see on tape. They ask mentally – you know, how they learn, how they process things, how they handle putting in, you know, new plays or new schemes, you know, leadership, kind of intangibles. Those are the normal questions that we get asked. Speaking of Baker, how about that leadership? How did he affect the team in the second half as the momentum kind of slowed down, especially on that last drive? Yeah, just kind of like he always does. I don't know that it was anything different from how he is each week. You know, he was he was, uh, he was consistent for us. He he was confident for us. He, he did a good job, you know, creating energy, but I thought also staying focused on his job. And uh, so, yeah, I didn't see much different from him than I see any week. He was a great leader for us, and, and we had a lot of them out there. He had a lot of help, and uh, I think that's key.
position as he's been throwing the football, do you have to really tell him anything? He got his first interception against Texas. Do you have to really tell him anything after throwing that pick? No, no, he's he's fine. He's thrown a few before, not many, but it's it was going to come eventually. You're not going to go through the season and not throw one, so it was going to come, and you know, on to the next one. So I didn't address it one bit, other than what we could have done better on the play. Lincoln, you haven't lacked for big plays on offense, but you see that first touchdown to, to Jeff. How close do you think you are to kind of re-establishing that deep ball like you had last year with Didi on a more consistent basis? Uh, no, hopefully we're close. You know, we've hit a few. We've had a few that we didn't hit. Um, yeah, I, we've hit a lot of big plays, though. You know, our big plays have been the problem. we got to do better on third downs. we got to do better on fourth downs. And, you know, we've had a couple of games where the red zone's been a little iffy, too. So those situational stuff are the things that we got to do much better at. Orlando Brown's gone up against two of the top uh, front sevens, defensive front sevens so far this season. How do you kind of evaluate his performance at this point? Oh, he's playing as well as he ever has. I mean, the, the one negative you'd say from the other day was just the two penalties, you know. You know, one of them he just tripped and fell, and I see why the guy called it. It was it was it was unlucky. We we tripped over a pulling guard, and he just fell backwards. And they see the two guys go down, and the defense lineman goes down. This day and age, they that's they're going to throw holding. And I can see why they did. It was a tough break um, on the Flowers touchdown. Um, the uh, you know, and then the second one too. I mean, the, the the second one he can't do. You know, and so we, but he's playing dominant. He's he's moving. Better than he ever has. He's. I think he's better in the run game than he's ever been. His that losing some of that weight and that a little bit more quickness and explosion has really helped him in the run game. But he's he's playing at a high level. When Baker was talking when he was in here about how much Oboe and Orlando go against each other in practice, which says to me that Oboe's. I mean, I know he's still listed as a defensive end linebacker, but has his style, his dominance on the line, basically made him a, an end for you guys at this point? He's a little bit of both, but yeah, he's certainly. That's that's where he can do the most damage. So Mike and those guys have done a good job of getting him in position to, to cause the most havoc. So and that's been a good battle between those two. Lincoln, with only five takeaways midway through the season, how much of a concern is that for you right now? Yeah, that's a concern. We we got to take it away more. I mean, that's we've had a few really close. You know, we had the big sack there right in the first quarter and balls on the ground. It felt like for five minutes. You know, and we don't come out of there with it. Had a couple tip balls that were really close. You know. Motley was really close to making one on their sideline. So, but we we got to make those. You know, part of it is part of it is sometimes those things come in waves. You know, and we haven't had a lot of them just thrown up that have just hit us in the face yet. Those are going to come or tip balls that have landed in our guys' hands. You know, we keep playing with the effort, and intensity, um, uh, the mentality that we had the other day. They'll come, but it's it's absolutely a point of emphasis. Have you noticed that Kenneth Mann over the past couple of years? Kind of developing, just having your offense going. Yep. Oh yeah, yeah. He was a guy that we would highlighted a little bit offensively for our defensive guys from seeing him each and every day. That we thought he was he was getting a lot better and and starting to really make some plays. The you know being in that developmental lift group with our guy, our young guys with Coach Schmidt and his staff it has made a big difference for that kid. And he's a young guy that's talented that's just gaining more confidence each and every week and just keeps showing up. You know, and he's he's got a high ceiling. So we're but we're 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 pretty pleased with his progress, you know, up to this point. Have you ever had any correspondence with Bill Snyder? He's known for these letters he sends out. Any congratulatory message from him when you got the job? No, uh, not that I remember. I don't think so. Um, we've talked some, though, before games. You know, he, uh, he was really close with Donnie Duncan, as was us. So that's always kind of been a talking point with us.
Mike Gundy was talking about how the league has never been this competitive before. Do you kind of agree with that as much as baseball football as you've seen? Mm, it's it's really good right now, but there's been other years where it's been really good too. I mean, two years ago, I thought the league was fantastic. You know, our first year that we won the league in 15. You know, there was obviously some great years back when I was at Tech. You know, the you know 07, 08. The, you know, those years were were pretty darn good too. So. This league's had a lot of really, really good years, and this is this is going to be another one of them. It looks like. Lincoln, what have you seen from Devontae Lampkin and Monty Blood for the last couple of weeks? Seems like they've started to turn that corner. Well, Monty's just finally out there. You know, that's 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 been the biggest part. We've always felt like he had a chance to be a pretty good player, but he's uh, he's out there and he's he's making some some kind of young guy mistakes, but he's making plays and getting better quickly. You know, Devontae, pretty proud of him. You know how he's. Come back from all that he has. Um, he's had some tough things go on. Some of it's been self-inflicted, and he's. Uh, but he's starting to grow up. You know, I think he's. I think he's really responded to Ruffin. You know, those two have really hit it off, and and uh, he's. He's starting to play like, what we felt like he could be, and and the fun thing for us and for him is if he continues to work hard, um, he can be so much better too. So he's. He. Uh, you know, those two guys are key for us now, and certainly key for us going forward in the future too. Was getting Amani really prepared to play quickly, was that more of a, you guys having him more active in practice, or did he kind of exceed your expectations and how quickly he was able to get into game shape? No, we, we did some things practice-wise, you know, whether it was keeping him in with the defense during meetings, not going to scout team meetings, or getting more reps against our, our, our scout, or our, our, our first offensive line, you know, kind of during those weeks that he was out. And then, uh, you know, through the bye week and all that, we were able to really start pumping a lot of reps into him with our defense. So we, we had a plan to get him acclimated so it, you know, it wouldn't feel like game one with him. And I think, I think we feel like that plan was pretty successful so far. Lincoln, we've seen defense look really good against Ohio State, first half in the end against Texas, and we've seen it look really bad. Are you guys kind of figuring out what, what the average is for these guys yet? Well, I don't know about the average. I mean, we've, you know, it's just, it's a process. You know, it's a week-to-week process. I, I think we're learning more about our guys and, and what we do well and what fits us the best. And kind of like I said earlier, learning how people are going to attack us and how we need to respond to it. So. Um, and then I think a big part too has been just getting a bunch of these guys back healthy. You know, we finally for first time in the last three weeks, we didn't have three or four or five defensive starters out of the game in the second half. You know, and that that made a that made a big difference too. So I, I think we're I think we did a good job coaching, scheming them up. Our guys did a better job playing, especially tackling. Um, and so it's a fine line. You know, everybody thinks when you're off a little bit that it's that it's this far away, and it's and it's not. And uh, we, we had to do things a little bit better, and we did them better, and we played better. So we just got to keep we got to keep on that track. Is it good to know, or a good feeling that if something happens to Baker, you've got a guy with a 450 passer rating in Trey Sermon? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, he did a good job with that one. Yeah, for a young guy. What about that play? Maybe during the preseason, did you see him playing catch or something. You say, hey, that kid can throw. Well, when when, when you dial up a play like that, what what kind of the, the genesis of it? No, I mean it was a play we've always liked it's just having the right guy to do it you know and uh not watching him throw gives you no confidence about doing it um but then we did it once in a i can't we did it once in a scrimmage or a team period against our defense and he even though it looked awful it worked so we and he made good decisions which was the most important thing so it's not like walk on kicker tryouts you don't say 
We've done it before. When we when we first got here with guys, we did that kind of. We just just to see everybody throw it and see what you know if anybody threw it decent. You know, which we've had some guys. You know, Dee Dee and some you know Shep. Some of those guys threw the ball pretty well. Uh, Mixon threw the ball pretty well. So yeah, I mean, those those things are good. But you got to have guys that can execute them, and then also guys that are smart enough that if it's not there, to not throw it up into double coverage too. So, but yeah, he he did a good job with that one. I know you've got a variety of different backs, but how important is it to your offense to have a guy that you can hand it to 20 times, like Sermon in the last game? It's been important. You know, we've been able to do that with, you know, Samaje the last few years, and having a guy that can grind out those tough yards, uh, you know, is, is a big part of it, you know, and, and being able to control the clock when we needed to, although we didn't, you know, we had a chance to run it out there, and maybe the thing I'm more disappointed about than anything in the game was not, not finishing the game off there on that last offensive drive. So, uh, that's something that we've been pretty good at here over the last few years. So we still got plenty of room to improve over on that side. But yeah, having having that guy that can handle that physicality is important. What is it about him that allows him to break so many tackles with, with such physicality? I mean, he's knocking guys backwards. Yeah, no, he just kind of he runs with the attitude. He's got he's got the body to do it. Uh, you know, he's 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 got a knack for it too. You know, it's kind of some. He's got pretty good patience too. You know, of letting things develop and then knowing when to to put the hammer down. Soul and him come from. Is that how he's wired, or do you think that's a no? I think it's how, thing? No, I think it's how he's wired. He's kind of he was like that in recruiting too. Lincoln Jordan Thomas had a solid game. Yep. Had, how much is that going to benefit him the rest of the way? Yeah, no, he played well. He played well. He practiced well, and it, and it showed up. Um, like I said, I thought we did some some things scheme wise to to you know to help those guys not have them on an island you know all the time and. Uh, and but the biggest thing was they you know he responded you know he he responded he had a few games where he obviously didn't play his best but he responded like we need one of our best players too. Did you have a reaction of all his new blonde hair, Jordan Thomas? To, the, to his what? His blonde hair that he has now. <laughs> no, no, I didn't. I didn't. I called him Odell Beckham once, and that was it. Lincoln, you see all the upsets. Teams losing unranked teams. You got beat by an unranked team. As a coach, how do you? What's the message to the team? How do you guard against that? Well, it's you know it's tough. I I think it's twofold. You know I think I think you you definitely have to fight it. I mean there's so much out there for these guys to look at, listen to. Um, that you, you I think everybody has to fight it. And then I think also too you know we're still just at the halfway point of the season. I mean you're starting to see what, what some of these teams are, but I think. I think a lot of teams are different than maybe what people thought they were going to be coming into the year, and that happens each and every year. We, we want to we want to say who's going to be good and who's going to be in the playoff and this and that. Nobody, you know, nobody knows. And uh, you know, there's very few teams that you play, you know, at this level that if you don't play pretty good, aren't good enough to beat you. I mean, very, very few. And I know the outside world doesn't always believe that, but it's true, and it's a and it's a fine line. So you've got to be on that edge and play well each and every week, and and uh, like I said, our guys, that's something we're preaching, and our guys are going to have to really listen to it if we're going to make the run that we feel like we can make. So there you have it, another edition of the Game Plan right here on the Sooner Sports Podcast. Hey, make sure to tell a friend or two or ten to subscribe to the Sooner Sports Podcast at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. As always, reach out and thank our sponsors or support them 
Allstate and the Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort is the place to be. And as always, look forward to talking to you again on Friday. We'll do another mailbag. So if you have questions you want for the podcast, we'll shoot out a few reminders. Hit us up at OU on the air. That's at OU on the air. And as always, have a great week. For Toby Rowland, for Lincoln Riley, this is Chris Mike signing off for the Sooner Sports Podcast. And until Friday, Boomer Sooner, everybody. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. Make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at OU on the air. Yeah.